Hey everyone, welcome to a bonus episode of the Coast to Coast podcast. The streaming wars are here, and really they've been here for years now, but the whole mess has gone to another level recently, as the rest of the TV industry has ramped up its own efforts to combat Netflix by pretty much introducing their own versions of Netflix. Last week on the show, we talked about this a bit. We kind of dove into the different streaming services that are coming up that currently exist. Me and Misha kind of talked about which ones we liked, which ones we subscribed to. Um, But before Disney Plus turns on the lights on November 12th, I thought it would be a good time to kind of check in with some of the significant existing services, as well as some of these newcomers to figure out the strengths and weaknesses of each and whether they might be worth adding another monthly expense to your long list of subscriptions. Let's start with the OG Netflix. There's three plans. You can have an $8.99 a month, which is no HD content with only one device at a time that you can watch it on. You have a $12.99 a month plan, which is HD content plus two devices at a time. And then you have a third, which is $15.99 a month, which is ultra HD, four devices at a time. In a nutshell, Netflix has more original series than anyone else, and some of them are actually excellent. Netflix saw the streaming future first. Heck, it arguably built the streaming future that everyone else is racing to join. In the early days, before the rest of the business saw what was coming, Netflix had a vast catalog of great shows that had originated elsewhere. Starting in 2013 with House of Cards and Orange is the New Black, the 800-pound gorilla of the streaming world began debuting its own exclusive series, building up an in-house library of titles to prepare for the inevitable moment when outside studios started buying back their old product. So The Office and Friends are leaving, but Netflix now has a few hundred original series, including comedies, dramas, kids shows, unscripted series, and foreign language programming to help offset those departures. The library still has some classics like Mad Men and Breaking Bad, with Seinfeld on the way in 2021, but as Netflix leans more and more on in-house content, it's worth questioning how strong that content is. Netflix definitely has some capital G great shows, such as BoJack Horseman or this year's trifecta of Russian Doll, Unbelievable, and When They See Us. And there are a lot with a baseline of very good that can sometimes rise well above that, including Orange, Big Mouth, and Glow. But there are also plenty of Netflix originals that top out at well-executed diversions, Stranger Things, and way too many, particularly but certainly not limited to Marvel shows like Luke Cage that have promising elements and absolutely no idea how to tell a compelling story across a 10 to 13 episode season. Between the cream of the originals and what's left of the library titles, you will not lack for interesting options as you browse the endless Netflix interface. But given the enormous head start they had on everyone else, the quality gap's not nearly as wide as you might expect. We move on to Prime Video. The cost, it comes with an Amazon Prime subscription, which costs either $119 a year, which averages out to $9.92 a month, or you can pay $12.99 a month if you don't want to pay the annual fee. In a nutshell, I think we all mainly care about the free shipping, but Prime Video is a pretty nice bonus. 
as the retail giant from which we get all our other stuff, Amazon should be easily dominating the streaming wars. Instead, the company's vastness has oddly worked against Prime Video to the point where many Amazon Prime subscribers don't even know they get access to all this TV along with two-day shipping and Whole Foods discounts. And it is a lot of TV, even if much of it feels mismatched. The library still contains access to many classic HBO series like The Wire and Curb Your Enthusiasm, but that deal should be expired or expiring by the time HBO Max launches. I think the deal has already been extended past its original end date. HBO did not return requests for clarification um, at press time, according to some articles. There's also an eclectic sex, uh, selection of shows not available on other streamers, including Hannibal, Justified, The Americans, Mr. Robot, and Down Abbey. Prime Video's original series, meanwhile, offer a lot of dad content, with muscular um, literation adaptions like Bosch, Jack Ryan, and The Man in the High Castle as reminders that once upon a time, Amazon specialized in selling books. It will shock no one to learn that Prime Video has a Jack Reacher show in the works. Hopefully, they'll cast someone a wee bit taller than Tom Cruise this time. But there are also Emmy winners like The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Transparent, and Fleabag, which, like The Great, the great Catastrophe, is a British production that Amazon has exclusive streaming rights to, plus other intriguing experiments like the Julia Roberts thriller Homecoming. Whenever the HBO shows skedaddle, Prime's mix of library titles and original ones won't be nearly as deep as Netflix's, but there's still a lot of interesting material here. And the X-Ray feature, where you can pause a show and immediately see which actors, actors are in that scene, what song is playing, etc., is by far the best value add to any streaming service interface. Up next is Hulu. Now, the cost for this is $5.99 a month, and that has ads. Or you can go up to $11.99 a month, which does not have ads. And I think you can also go up to two more tiers of $44.99 a month and then $50.99 a month, which is no access um, to ads, plus you have live TV. In a nutshell, Hulu has a fantastic library of past TV shows, plus easy access to a lot of what's current, plus FX. Hulu began life as a joint venture of ABC, Fox, and NBC to offer next-day streaming options for network shows like Grey's Anatomy, House, and The Office. It still delivers that, though NBC's current series may fly over its proprietary service, Peacock, um, within a few years, but now has a lot more to choose from. The live TV option also makes it one of the easier ways to cut the cable cord while still getting sports, news, and other live programming. In particular, for those who care as much, if not more, about library content as original series, Hulu has so much to offer. Classic dramas like ER, Hill Street Blues, NYPD Blue, Friday Night Lights, and St. Elsewhere. Genre-bending favorites like Lost, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and The X-Files even great modern comedies like 30 Rock, Atlanta, Bob's Burgers, and Better Things. Even some of the best of recent kids' TV like Adventure Time and Steven Universe. And today, Hulu announced that all current and future FX series, plus a decent chunk of channels past output, will be joining the library. 
The original content is spottier, especially if you checked out of Emmy winner The Handmaid's Tale after too much ongoing misery. But there are a number of small gems like Casual, Pen15, Rami, and the recent miniseries adaption of Looking for Alaska. And now that FX will be supplying some of it, of its original shows directly to Hulu, including Jeff Bridges in uh, The Old Man, Kate Blanchett in Miss America, and Nick Offerman in Devs, that roster gets even stronger. Disney has bought Fox um, and is starting up another streaming service, which we'll get to, and is buying out NBC's stake in this one. So where does that leave Hulu going forward? It's still a significant part of Disney's plans, a bundle of Disney Plus, Hulu Plus, or excuse me, ESPN Plus, and ad-supported Hulu will be available for $12.99 a month once Disney Plus launches. And making FX a more prominent part of it helps differentiate the services um, from the more family-oriented Disney Plus. Um, so you'll have... Hulu as an option by itself, or again, you can bundle it with Hulu, Disney+, Plus, ESPN+, Plus, kind of, again, differentiate, differentiating between the family-friendly Disney+, Plus with a little bit more adult stuff on Hulu. Apple TV+, Plus. the cost is $4.99 a month, or free for a year if you buy a new Apple phone, tablet, or computer. In a nutshell, you get what you pay for, which isn't really much. Apple TV Plus has no library of pre-existing shows, so that five bucks, or no bucks if you just upgraded your iPhone, gives you access only to a handful of series uh, for now, which none are hugely impressive. The amount of original programming will expand over time, and maybe one of the upcom upcoming series will be better than the morning show, but for the moment, Apple TV Plus seems to be Apple's vastly skimpier equivalent of Prime Video, just an add-on of something consumers have already paid for that encourages them to spend more time in the company's media ecosystem. You can also use the Apple TV app to subscribe to other streamers, for instance, which is kind of nice. Going into Disney Plus's launch on November 12th, the cost for that is $6.99 a month or $69.99 a month, which averages out, um, excuse me, $69.99 a year, which averages out to about $5.83 a month. And in a nutshell, this is your childhood stream daily. If this service never made an original, every parent in America who could afford to, and some who can't, would still subscribe just to give their kids access to the vast libraries of Disney, Pixar, and Lucasfilm movies and shows. But Disney Plus will have originals, starting with arguably the biggest rookie of all the new streamers, The Mandalorian, a Jon Favreau-produced Star Wars spinoff about a Boba Fett-esque gunslinger. Disney has declined... Um, to screen episodes for critics. So some of the reviews out there, no one knows if it's good or not, but every Star Wars fan is going to watch the thing, at least at first. Down the road, there will be new Marvel series produced by and featuring characters from the MCU film division um, at this time. 
rather than the unloved distant relatives that ran on ABC or Netflix. New shows based on other Disney properties and more and more and more. The price isn't that much more than what Apple TV Plus is charging, and you get exponentially more programming for that money. We'll see about the interface, about the quality of all the planned Star Wars and Marvel shows, and about whether the price stays so cheap once Disney gets America hooked. But sight unseen, Disney Plus is the only new entrant that looks even vaguely capable of competing on Netflix's level. Launching in late um, 2020, April, you have Peacock. The cost is unclear, though it, um, I think it will be free and ad-supported, at least to some cable subscribers. And in a nutshell, this is going to be your favorite NBC-owned content exclusively, and of course, eventually. A lot is still unknown about NBC Universal's awkwardly named new service, based, of course, on the broadcast network's longtime logo. Will it be free to everyone, to all cable subscribers, just to Comcast subscribers? Will there be an ad-free option like Hulu and CBS All Access? Will the interface be any good? Ask again later on this and, and, and more when it starts to come out. What we do know is that NBC intends to eventually migrate all the library series that it owns to Peacock. Parks and Recreation will be available exclusively here, uh, for instance, starting in October 2020. This is also one of those times where it's useful to know which studio produced a show rather than which network aired it. Friends and Seinfeld um, were two of the most iconic NBC sitcoms ever, but because they were produced by outside studios, they won't be on Peacock. In addition, new content, often based on pre-existing NBC Universal property, will be in the works, including a Battlestar Galactica reboot from Mr. Robot creator Sam Esmail, plus sequel series of Saved by the Bell, and of all things, Punky Brewster. Kind of wrapping things up, we have HBO Max, which launches May of 2020. This costs about $14.99 a month will be a free add-on for um, some, all, maybe, HBO HBO cable subscribers. We're not sure yet. And in a nutshell, we have Tony Soprano and Phoebe, Phoebe Buffay together at last. The name suggests an expansion of HBO Now, which this new service will essentially replace, but it's more complicated than that. HBO Max will attempt to bring multiple Warner Media properties under one streaming roof. So you'll still have the entire HBO library, including some titles that were never part of the Prime Video deal, like Game of Thrones, and all new HBO shows going forward. But you'll also have a lot of non-HBO shows like Friends, The West Wing, and The Big Bang Theory, which has never been on a streaming platform before. Search Party, migrating to Max after two seasons on TBS, and all the CW shows based on DC comic characters. There will also be some outside library acquisitions, including the films of Studio Ghibli like My Neighbor Tortoro and Spirited Away, plus animated series South Park and Rick and Morty, and BBC shows like Doctor Who and Luther, along with a wide swath of shows produced directly for HBO Max, including an adaption of post-apocalyptic novel Station Eleven 
and a new Dune series um, directed by Dennis Villanueva. HBO Now was already a good deal, given the access it provides to some of the greatest TV series ever made, along with more recent highlights like Veep and Watchmen. Getting all this other content for the same price makes it an even better deal. But getting HBO Max set up and bring all these different properties under one banner? That sounds pretty awesome. Yet, I think it also runs the risk of diluting the things that made HBO's programming so special in the first place. Particularly since many of the execs responsible for the cable giant's previous classics have been sent packing in the transition to new ownership. This wraps up the episode of the streaming wars i hope this helped you out there kind of understand what's currently going on online what's coming down the pike in later this year and even early on the next year if you have any questions regarding streaming wars streaming platforms what shows you want to watch reach out to us we are definitely available um we typically like to get user feedback and then answer those questions on stream or on on our live shows, but sometimes things don't work out the way they're supposed to. Um, Again, this is a bonus content. If you'd like the bonus episodes as well, let us know. We try to release maybe one of these a week on top of our regular uh, programming on Monday nights. Um, But yeah, thanks again for listening, and we'll talk at you next time.